Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. I am Bree, and I mean, my guest host that I'm going to be interviewing today is author Janine Engler. Welcome back to the podcast, Janine. I'm so happy to be chatting with you again. Tell me how 2023 has started for you. Well, first off, thank you for having me again. I love being on your podcast. So 2023 has actually been pretty good. I have no complaints about 2023. I think it's going to be much like 2022 was for me, where it was a big year of change. So I think this year is probably going to follow suit on that. So I'm excited for all the things that I hope are going to change and happen and be excited. Yeah. Okay. Did you have like a 2022 special moment, like looking back on last year, like just one random moment that was like, okay, this was really special. For me, it was the moment that I started my new job because I think that for me was something that I was really scared to do because I'd been at the school I was at before for 11 years, which is a long time. Um, So I was kind of scared to make the jump. But once I did and I had the first day there, I was like, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. So it was very Congratulations. I'm big on like words for the year. So if you had a word for 2023, what would your word for the year be? For me, it would be thrive. And that has actually been one of my words that I've had for the last four years, five years. Um, I actually have one of those little necklaces from myintent.org that has your word of intention. And it's Thrive and it's sort of just been the same. I wear it all the time and I just always want to be doing something that's pushing me forward to be my best. I love that. I feel like um, mine really since like September has been nurture. I think just because I've been so busy and I'm like, you have to remember to take care of yourself. You have to remember to take care of yourself. But I love the Thrive energy. I love that for you. (laughs) Yes. And I would say the nurture is super important. So do that. I think it's really easy to fall into the trap of taking care of everyone else but yourself until your body just like shuts down on you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that your word is nurture. Thank you. (laughs) Because I know I have plenty of days where my body was like, you really need to take a nap. And I'm like, no, (laughs) you know, I'll just wait until bedtime. And then you're exhausted. Yes. You have to to listen to your body. You got to do it. Well, congratulations on Conveniently Wed to the Laird, book three in your Falling for a Stewart series. How are you feeling? I mean, at at this point, like you can get the book on Harlequin's website, but like for everywhere else, which I have to say, I'm super stoked to see Harlequin historicals in my Walmart now. How are you feeling as you get closer to the book's release date? Okay, first off, I have to say, I'm jealous that you have them at your Walmart because I don't at mine. So you're gonna have to send me a video so I can just be with you in spirit. I will. I will. (laughs) I screamed. I was like, (laughs) no way. So as far as the book, yes, super excited, but a little sad. I hate ending books. And this is the first series that I've done. So it's the first series I've closed out. So it was really a little bit almost like bittersweet and sad. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I just, I wasn't quite ready to let go of that particular family, the Stewarts, which is why it kind of bleeds into the next series. Um, Okay. But yeah, super excited as we get closer to it. I really loved this book. It was kind of hard for me to write, but I really loved it. Why was it like, share with us, like, how did it feel hard to write? Um, It was, to be really honest, like this book and the first book of the series, Myra's Story, were kind of driven from my own experiences when I did an internship. Um, When I was in college, I actually originally wanted to be a social worker. 
Mm-hmm. And I did a summer internship at a battered women's shelter. And it was the most enlightening yet like devastating experience I'd had at that point in my life as a young adult. And it was one of the things that drove me not to be a social worker because I just didn't have the emotional bandwidth. Oh yeah. To yeah. Do it. I mean, I would drive home every night after I'd been there all day and I would just cry in my car until I got home in my apartment and then like pull it together. But I just couldn't like the emotional impact of just seeing those women struggle and their situation and how powerless you feel in trying to assist them. But yeah. So I think that experience drove, you know, the creation of Katrina's character, I'm sorry, Catriona's character, and then Myra's character a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that that is one of those callings where it's like, you have to know that this is something that you can do every day. And I don't think I could do that every day. I just couldn't. And I was just kind of in awe for, you know, the women and men that worked there that could just every day, they just dug in and they came in and they did, you know, all the right things every day. And they were able to do it without like the emotional impact and being so just wrapped up in their own feelings about it. Um, So yeah, I was blown away by their ability to do that. I did not have it. So is there like a different kind of pressure on writing the final book versus the first one? Or I mean, or even the second, I guess. Like, I feel like there's probably pressure for all three. But how does the pressure for like that final one feel compared to the well, first one? Well, you feel one? like you have to say everything you wanted to say. You know, like, that's mm. it. You got to kind of wrap off all the threads. And as you know, I am a panster, not a plotter. <laughs> so you know, wrapping up the thread thing is really hard for me. I have to have a lot of other people kind of say, hey, wait, (laughs) what happened to this thing that you dropped in chapter three that you never talk about again? Mm. So, you know, Charlotte, my editor does a great job with that. Tanya, my critique partner also does a great job of just sort of asking me questions like, hey, what happened about, you know, XYZ so I can remember to go back? Yeah. Oh, well, shout out to having good people on your on your team, on your side that are like, wait a minute, (laughs) Janine. Like share with everybody the elevator pitch for the book. So I would say the elevator pitch is Ewan Stewart, who is the new Laird of the Stewart clan. You know, he's gone to the market to chaperone basically his younger sister, trying to get a new hat at the milliners. He happens to stumble across a poor woman being sold at market by her husband that doesn't want her anymore. And he's so shocked and yet horrified by it that he decides he's going to outbid everybody there to rescue her, even though he doesn't really want a wife, you know, and he doesn't want any kind of romantic entanglements. And so he purchases her to rescue her. And then it's sort of a story of Catriona and him figuring out that maybe they could have this marriage of convenience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And for her, her real main goal is just to try to find some sense of freedom. So it's all about their kind of struggle back and forth with him not wanting an entanglement. She wants freedom, but then they're going to have this marriage of convenience. So yeah, that would be it in a nutshell. Yes. Okay. So I shared some quotes. We'll get to them. So chapter one is extremely intense and ends off like this. This is my first quote. Listeners, bear with me. There were just so many beautiful (laughs) quotes in this book. So Okay. So this is from Ewan. Well, sister, he offered as Aaron set the carriage in motion towards Glasgow. You told me to find a bride. So I did. (laughs) That is literally the end of chapter one. So tell us about the writing of chapter one, because so much of the set up for this. I mean, so like you front loaded so much in that first chapter. I think it's just so important. It's so intense. Um, 
and it, I just loved it. I don't know. So tell us about the writing of it. So that chapter just kind of poured out of me. I'm not going to lie. Um, I usually always get the first chapter in my head first. Like the scene just sort of like evaporates out of somewhere, usually nowhere. And it just all of a sudden I can just see the first scene. So that particular scene, like I could see exactly what was going to happen. Them being in town. Um, I tried to go back through to put in more of the motivation so that you'd understand that you know, Ewan was rescuing her and not doing anything um, that wasn't right, if you want to put it that way. Um, but yeah, the chapter kind of poured out of me. I don't know how else to explain it other than that, but it was just, he needed to have his moment. I think he was trying to reconcile a lot of the guilt he felt about not being able to rescue his eldest sister, Myra, from the first book. Mm-hmm. Um from her husband because he never knew about her situation. So when he sees Katrina, I want to call her Katrina, Catriona, um, he just can't do anything other than dive in and do something on her behalf. Yeah. Yeah. And he says that he does mention, mention Myra like later on in the book and you're like, Oh, okay. This is why, this is why he would do this. Um, Okay. So next one, the possibilities seemed endless and her stomach flipped with hope, a feeling she hadn't had in a long time. This was her chance. Where did the inspiration for Catriona's character come from? Because she is a new fave for me. Um, <laughs> so how did she come to I figured that first chapter, I was like, Janine was probably like taking a shower, or going for a walk, and the, this first scene came to her. Like, I just knew it spilled out of you. But Catriona in particular, how did she come to you? I honestly, she is sort of uh, an amalgamation of all the women that I happened to work with at that summer that I was an internship um, at the Better of Women Shelter. She just sort of, because really that's all they wanted. They wanted freedom. They wanted to be able to make their own choices. Um, they longed for a chance for someone to say, hey, what do you want to do with your life? What do you need? Rather than always being in sort of a feeling trapped. So a lot of, I think, the facets that created her were from that one experience. And what I wanted those women to have and what they sought out was just that quest for freedom and independence. Was that when you sat down to begin writing this book, did you know freedom was kind of a theme that you wanted to explore or or did it happen really as you were like writing the book? Because it is like, I think the big theme of the book, (laughs) the biggest theme I feel like is freedom. And I just felt like you explored it beautifully in so many different ways. And I'm like, did she intend to do this? I wish I could say, yes, I completely intended to do that. And it was my plan all along, Um, (laughs) but it was none of those things. It just happened organically as I started to dig more into her and the more I wanted to give her that at the end, whatever that might've meant for her. I just Mm -hmm. wanted her to have freedom of choice, freedom of thought, you know, just feeling some sense of release from sort of the burdens and the entrapment that she experienced for so long. So it wasn't intentional, but that's how it worked out. Yeah. Well, um, freedom to choose was one of the, there's a a specific scene that I have another quote from. Um, So this is from Catriona's perspective. She smiled, squared her shoulders and remembered that he had chosen her. He had saved her and she owed him more than she could ever repay. She'd not embarrass him or herself. She would act like Lady Stewart and anyone who besmirched her or besmirched him. And she'd not let that happen. He had given her an opportunity for a 
new life, a different life far beyond what she could have ever dreamed possible for herself. She'd not let anyone seize it from her now that she had chosen it. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, she he gave her the freedom to choose. So how did that particular moment and Catriona's emotions in that moment, like talk about writing that. I loved that scene. I think it, again, was born from the idea that there was nothing more important to her than having choice. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to sort of live up to not only the choice that she had made and kind of promised to herself, but also the the fact that he had given her a choice for the yeah. first time in her life. And she had chosen to be with him. So she was going to maximize that and not let anyone let her feel like less, which is also something she had kind of fought against for so long was just feeling like she wasn't worthy of a choice, worthy of happiness, worthy of a life. And so this is sort of that moment where she realizes she can have all the things, but she has to keep the promise to herself to live up to that. Well, the story has a really fun, interesting twist. Unexpected found family. Uh, was that something that you knew you wanted to include early on or or what? Tell us about that. Well, if you want, I can lie to you and say, yes, I intended that all along. Um, <laughs> the answer you though was like... Gosh, it's so bad. I mean, it's fine. I think it's great. <laughs> it's so bad. Like I try to explain to people my process and it just sounds like a crazy person. So I don't do it all the time. Um, but it just, I never can really know what's going to happen until I'm in the scene. Then suddenly like characters pop in. Um, for her, you know, she had struggled for so long, not knowing her, who her family was, that I wanted to give her the opportunity of having basically going from no choices and no options to so many Mm, that, that she almost was overwhelmed by all the options and choices that she had, which is exactly the opposite of how she started the story. So yes, she has found family, which gives her another choice mm-hmm. that she has to make and then reconcile with one way or another. Um, but I just wanted to give her that. I wanted to give her as a character closure so she would know that you know a lot of the things that happened to her were none of her doing. Yeah. It was just sort of a cataclysmic series of events that basically no one could have foreseen. Um, But knowing it wasn't her fault and now she had family that maybe she never expected just sort of literally fall in her lap. Literally like finding out your real name is Violet. It's Violet, right? It's Violet. And her being like, "Uh, no, I'm Catriona. Like that was a choice. Like she had the freedom to be like, no, this is this is who I am. This is what I'm going to identify as. I just loved it. Yes, she's she was all about once she got some choices and some support in making them, she was just all out and she was going to decide who she was, what she wanted, what she wasn't going to stand for anymore. Um, So, yeah, one of my favorite scenes is when she kind of stands up to Ewan and says to him that basically, you know, no one's going to tell me or fight over me or, you know, I'm going to make my own choices. You don't Mm -hmm. have to do anything for me. I can figure it out. So, yeah. Love it. Love it. Share us something you're excited about for this year. Do you have, like, I know we have a new series coming from you. Is that releasing this year? Like, what are you looking forward to in 2023? I think change is the big one. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, we I changed jobs last year. And, and I think that was a really positive thing for me because it's helped me have a little more balance in my life. 
And, you know, my husband's done the same. He changed jobs. So we've both sort of had this rebirth in our careers, which has been great. We're also exploring just a lot of different things that I hope, you know, I don't want to say I'm out loud because I'm a little bit superstitious that way, but things I hope are also going to change that are going to be really new, exciting adventures for the both of us um, as far as outside of writing things. Um, And then as far as writing goes, I do have another book coming out this summer and it's the first book in a trilogy about the Camerons because, you know, I just can't let anything go. So I've found a way to link (laughs) Katrina back in a little bit um, so that she, you see her siblings again. So book one is all about Royce, the eldest brother, who's rather difficult and closed off and you know, emotionally repressed. So he is going to basically meet someone that challenges all of those boundaries for him. That's what um, he needs. He needs a challenge. Yeah. So he's going to have a challenge, meet a very independent, another headstrong woman, but she's a recluse who has basically learned to survive on her own and doesn't really like the idea of connecting with anyone. So they have some similarities in that. Uh, and it takes place on Lismore, which is a little island in Scotland that I have absolutely fallen in love with. Um, <laughs> so it takes the entire book takes place there. Uh, so I think it's going to be a really interesting, it's a very different story. Um, it's called A Laird Without a Past. So he basically goes to the island to try to discover some secrets that are going on within his clan and ends up being attacked and wakes up and has no memory of who he is and can't see. Oh my gosh. So this is so, this is such a you plot. (laughs) I don't know what that means, but yes, you're right. Great. (laughs) I feel like, okay, so tell me, just tell us now, like him getting attacked and waking up, not remembering who he is and cannot see. Is that what came to you first? I feel like that came to you first. Okay. Yes. And it, again, I don't know where these ideas come from. I feel like they just get sort of like fall out of the heavens um, and my mind gathers them. But (laughs) yeah, so that is how it starts off. Um, So he is angry and he's a mess and he doesn't want anybody's help. Um, And she is a healer who's purpose and spirit for being is just to sort of collect wounded and damaged animals and humans and bring them back to their best self. So from the beginning, they're kind of at odds because their goals are different. Yeah. Um, So it's really interesting as she sort of finds that she can risk connecting with other people and he fears connection because he, again, doesn't have any idea of who he is or what life he is supposed to have been a part of before he woke up on the strange island. So, Oh my gosh, the suspense. Okay. So <laughs> what, so that one's coming out this summer, which book in the series are you working on now or are you working on one? Well, this is, I believe like if anybody ever asks me the hardest part about being sort of on the published author train, it's the fact that you're always doing multiple things and they're in very different areas of process. So right now I'm doing promo and marketing for Conveniently Wed to the Laird because it's coming out on the 24th. Mm-hmm. Then I have, I just last night around 10 o'clock turned in my revisions for A Laird Without the Past that comes out in August. And then I need to be getting back to <laughs> drafting the first part of book two. And you probably know how that's going. No <laughs> idea what's happening. 
But yeah, so you're always in three different phases of three different books is what it seems to be for me. Maybe someone else has a different experience, but I think that's the hardest part is jostling between all three of those. Yeah. These like different timelines, like celebrating one because it's coming. Yeah. Different timelines. Trying to get ideas (laughs) for the other one. Yeah. So it's, that is sort of what I'm in process with. Um, just trying to figure out where that second book is going to go. The second book is going to be Susanna's book. Yes. Um, okay. And if all works out, I'm going to be resurrecting a character from my first Harlequin. Um, my plan is to match her with Rowan Campbell oh. from the Highlander Secret Son. Okay. So it'll be interesting. I'm trying to get that one to work out. We'll see if it, see if it works. <laughs> you can do it. I'm really trying. I will say, um, and I haven't listened to all the podcasts, but I saw the one you did with the tarot reader. Yes. And I wanted to tell you that has become part of my process. And I actually, not with her, I have a different um, tarot guide, if you want to think of it that way, Paula, but she has a book all about tarot reading and how you can use it to guide your plot. Love that. Okay. And I did a session with her that I one from the Emerald City Writers Conference. They did a fundraiser for Dawn, and which happened to be, I, I don't know if you know about Dawn, but it was to raise money for women in domestic situations that they wanted to get out of, basically. Okay. Um, so it was kind of tied into what we were even doing, but I was absolutely stuck on that book, A Laird Without a Past. And I did a session with her and I wrote 46,000 words in less than a month. Oh my done. gosh. Okay. So do you like meet with the, the the reader and say, this is what I'm working on? And then they pull the cards or like, how does it work? It's a very organic, which you know works for me because I'm not a plotter. Um, you, she basically <laughs> asks you questions um, Okay. about like what you're stuck on for the hero, the heroine, the plot. Um, she asks you like how many books you're trying to put in the series. And then she ends up pulling cards and then talking with you about what implications that could have um, as far as how you could use the characters or the plot. And she helped me get unstuck. So it it was a really sort of eye-opening experience for me. I would encourage anyone who's sort of open to trying new things to aid in their process. That really worked for me. I feel like she kind of like uncorked the maybe even like the subconscious things that I was trying to figure out with my characters um, for that book. So that helped me a lot. So I'll probably be talking to her again when I go over (laughs) Susanna and Rowan's story and get stuck again. Um, It's like she opened up these magical doors to your like imagination. It's like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Because there are themes even that I didn't realize, you know, because there's a lot of water in a layered without a past. And she was like, well, water is a symbol of healing. And I was like, well, this makes a lot of sense because I have a healer. Because she's a healer and he needs to be healed. Yes. So I was like, yeah, and it's all coming together. So yeah, that was an amazing kind of new experience for 2022 that I'll be carrying over into 23. Well, this may be it, but like, what is something you've been loving recently that's been a total day brightener that you don't mind passing along for anyone who may need it? Ooh, day brightener. Hmm. Well, I mean, I would just say like any random thing that's been like getting you through the day. Well, <laughs> you're gonna laugh. Dog videos really always help me. Um, any kind of 
just people that are happy. Like I, there are people that I have in my Facebook feeds or Instagram feeds that just always have joyful posts or even posts that are just reflective. Those always brighten my day. I'm also a big fan of the Calm app. Um, okay. Anything that's just going to kind of settle me, soothe me, ground me and help me be more present and not get caught up in things that don't really matter. Yes. Yeah. So that I love that you said dog videos. I love you said dog videos because I'm a I'm obsessed with animal videos. I love moose videos. I love seeing bears like chase cars. (laughs) Yes. Anything that's gonna make me smile. Yeah. Like There was one of a wombat that someone happened to have sent me. I know, crazy. But the wombat's like running around and kicking up dirt. And I was like, I wish my revisions were going like this. Like, but they weren't. But yeah, anything like that to kind of just distract me from my own whatever it is that I'm worried about. Because I am prone to get too caught up in things sometimes. So anything that will pluck me from that is what I enjoy. The animal ones, especially, I think it just reminds me like... I'll watch these videos of like moose fighting in people's driveways. And I'm like, the world is so big. And I just, (laughs) it's so much bigger. Like this problem of mine is so small. (laughs) It's not that big of a deal. (laughs) See, it is. It's the power of perspective. Yeah. Anything that will help me gain perspective is always a good thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get into some roundout questions. The first one, what was your last unput downable read? Hmm. That's such a good question. Gosh, this probably goes like a few years back, which that is fine. That's a great thing or not. Um, (laughs) But The Marriage Lie by Kimberly Bell. Whoa. Okay. That book, I remember I was like, I wish I could write this. I wish I'd written this book. Um, It was just every time you thought you knew what was going to happen, you're like, oh, plot twist. And then the ending. I remember out loud being like, no, (laughs) ending. but yeah, it was really good. I love a lot of her books. So if you like sort of like uh, domestic noir, which is kind of what it falls under, uh, Kimberly Bell is a favorite and she's also a really nice person. She spoke at one of our writing meetings and she's very down to earth. Um, So I would give a shout out for that one, The Marriage Lie. Okay. A recent addition to your watch list is... Oh gosh, you know my watch list is long. I know that's why. Let me let me have to throw a hard one in there for. (laughs) Yes, my watch list is always long. Um, One series I actually just finished that I thought was amazing was on Amazon Prime. Three Pines. Okay. It is a sort of mystery suspense. And what I loved about it was it was multi layered. So there was a long overarching story that lasted throughout the entire series. But then there were, there were these smaller episodes of mysteries um, that were webbed within it. And it also started, like the opening scene was a link to the missing and murdered indigenous women movement in Canada, which is also something that, of course, we have in the United States. But it was interesting to see that play out throughout the entire series and then the smaller sort of mysteries within. But that was a really good one. I love that one. Mm-hmm. I'm sad it's okay. over, actually. Three Pines on Amazon Prime. I'll have to, I'll yes, have to look at that. Yes, Three Pines on Amazon Prime. That was great. Um, I'm still, you know, on my watch list. I have BritBox and Acorn now, which is <laughs> feeding the problem rather than helping me. Um, but it does give me a lot of things to kind of have my writing goal word count for to get to watch. Yeah, um, it's a treat. A treat yeah, for Wisdom you. Yeah, Girl's really good. I love that one. 
So, you know me, any of the mysteries always suck me in from the get-go. So, Well, tell us the last song to get stuck in your head. Well, this is actually a song that was on my uh, sort of, you know, I have a playlist when I do my books. So the playlist I created for A Laird Without a Past had a lot of sort of 80s, 90s songs in it. And the one that, I mean, the title is ironic, but it was the emotion behind it that I got looped into. But Drowning Man by U2. Okay. Um, so I know the title of it makes it seem a little redundant because it is about the hero is just survived drowning. But mm-hmm. it's the emotion behind the story of how, like, uh, you know, they just are sort of lost in the past, can't quite get to the future. So I would say that was um, the one that was looped in my head for many chapters as I was plowing through that book. For the aspiring historical romance writer who may be listening right now, what's one piece of writing advice they need in their life in 2023? Uh, I would just say finish the book. That would be my big advice. I feel like if you, because I do have some writer friends that, um, really struggle with this. And I used to be this person. So I'm not calling out them. I'm calling out myself, my past self. Um, you, It's really easy to do a few chapters of a book and then get to the part where it's hard and then want to start a new book and then get to that part where it's hard. And then suddenly you have eight different books that are all 10 to 20,000 words in, but you've never finished any of them. Right. And I think the more you can go from start to finish of a book, even if that book never sells, even if you never pitch that book, the more books that I go from start to finish, I think helps me figure out more of how to write a book and how to write a better book the next time. So I would just say finish the book because really, especially if you don't have an agent, you can't do anything until you have a finished manuscript to submit somewhere, even if it's, you know, got warts and isn't perfect. It's not supposed to be, but just finish it and don't, you know, continually re-edit the first three chapters or only write the first five chapters and keep jumping to new books. So that would be my advice. Well, lastly, where can everyone follow you online? Really easy. Everything I have on social media is at Janine writes, and I am on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and then my website is www.janinewrites.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by The Best Man's Promise, book number two in the Navarro series by author Sarah Taino. Here's a few useful details. This is a male-male romance, Puerto Rican, Haitian lead, grumpy sunshine, forced proximity, forbidden attraction, wedding shenanigans, guava cheesecake for breakfast, and snowed in. Here's the blurb. He can't forget the kiss he shared with the best man, but is he the best man for him? His sister's wedding isn't the ideal place for Rafael Navarro to reconnect with the man he kissed in a moment of reckless abandon, but it's impossible to avoid best man Etienne Galois. The gorgeous Haitian photographer hasn't forgotten the intimate moment they shared, even if Rafi is the most maddening person he's ever met. Can the two find common ground, proving opposites not only attract, they can become lovers for life? From Harlequin Special Edition, Believe in Love, 
Overcome Obstacles, Find Happiness. We are so excited for this book. Aaron and I were both huge fans of Sarah Taino's Harlequin Special Edition debut back in September 2021, A Delicious Dilemma, and we have been counting the days down for this release. So we are so excited for it. Don't forget it releases February 21st, 2023 from Harlequin Special Edition. And thank you so much to Sarah for sponsoring this episode of the show. 